What is going on, everyone, and welcome back to the 90 and 60 Plus podcast. We are still doing the summer series where we interview special guests and talk about the beautiful game and life in general. Last episode, we had a great reception from our special guest, Alec Rodriguez. Shout out, Alec. Today, instead of having a current player, we have someone that actually is just a huge fan of the sport, works a bit within the media of the sport, a Barca supporter, which, as listeners know, is very near and dear to my heart, and that's going to kind of be the topic for today we're going to do a big barca episode so guys i'm excited to introduce to you the second ever special guest on the 90 and 60 plus podcast summer interview series we have with us today leah leah first of all thank you so much for being here with us and how you doing of course and i'm doing good thank you for having me yeah so excited to have you here and excited to talk about our favorite club barcelona the best club in spain some might say the best club in europe but yeah i'm super excited (laughs) yeah again i'm super excited to have you here with me today and honestly um for those of you who don't follow leah um she's pretty big on tiktok and instagram um has a huge following through you know most of it which is barca fans but some really great content out there so leah do you want to tell people where they can go and find you and find your videos and your content yeah you could find me mainly on tiktok if you want to see my football related stuff it's just my name leah binkin spelled l-i-a-b-i-n-k-i-n and that's the same username for my instagram as well perfect yeah guys definitely go check her out definitely worth watching and yeah leah who i think is a very intelligent barcelona fan that's part of the reason why i wanted to invite her and have her on the podcast with me here today so again just really excited and ready to dive into it so leah are you ready Yes. All right, perfect. So, Leah, first of all, why don't we just, you know, start off the podcast with you telling the audience a little bit about yourself and uh, we can just kind of go from there. Yeah, so obviously you guys already know I'm a Barca fan and I have been making content on TikTok specifically related towards Barca, but other times there are some things on there that, you know, could be about anything related in football in general. And I've been making content like that since like towards the end of 2020, I want to say, up until now. So it's been a while. So Leah, did this kind of content creation kind of, obviously you said the year 2020, and I think we all know what happened that year without even saying it. Um, Would you say that was kind of the start of, you know, the content creation path that you started on? I think... I think that was kind of the start. What I will say what happened is I first downloaded TikTok as a way just to, you know, how anybody downloads TikTok just to have fun, see the new trends and stuff like that. And I was posting football related content, but it was a mix of my other interests as well. And I think like towards the end of 2020, after the whole A2 incident happened, I think I started posting more about football and realized I want to stick to that. So I think like obviously COVID did impact me because it got me more involved with TikTok. But I think it's something that just like happened on the spot, kind of. No, that makes a lot of sense. And definitely, you know, during the height of the pandemic, when there was very few games to be around, that was one that got on a lot of people's radars. And definitely, I would say that's when I first kind of discovered you on TikTok, kind of the same way, just kind of to keep up with the trends. That's why I downloaded it. But, you know, obviously, the huge algorithm is just so well diverse on TikTok and you know I, without even saying it I think you popped up on my for you page and then I started following you and then obviously started interacting with you and your videos so that's definitely how you came on my radar and I'm sure the radar the radar of many listeners out there but yeah that's great um so that kind yeah. of leads to my first question what came first for you was it the love of the sport or was it the love for Barcelona specifically that like it's I feel like when people ask me that it's so hard to answer cuz I feel like Barcelona made me love the sport But I've always liked football. So I feel like for me, it's like Barca made me love it even more. And like the like turned to love, if that makes sense. No, totally. And then 
Obviously, you know, a lot of people, specifically one fan group from another team in Spain, will say that, you know, Barca fans are a lot of bandwagon jumpers just because of Messi. <laughs> But I think a lot of us, you know, proved our faith to Barca when, you know, Messi obviously left the club a couple years back. And yeah, so that kind of leads to my next question. What is it about Barcelona that kept your, kept your attention for all these years and all this time? Yeah, okay. All the time, sometimes in my TikTok comments, especially when I first started, people were saying you're only a fan because of Messi, Where, which clearly now that makes zero sense because Messi is no longer at the club, unfortunately. But a big reason why like, I stayed with Barca and loved Barca so much is because of everything like Barca is in terms of like their history, in terms of like the players they had in the past, their style of play, how they rely on their academy, and also the way like that they just don't even just talk about their men's team even though i love you know barca's men's team like they also like support the women's team as well like they have other sports in that club as well such as like hockey and basketball and i like how they push up those sports and not just focus on men's football even though that's why a lot of people support the club definitely and you mentioned something very interesting there um you know you mentioned that you know often we get called fake by other rival fans um how do you deal especially with you who are you know predominantly on social media you're constantly showing your face and throwing out your opinions out there how do you deal with uh, negativity on social media because as we all know just by being a regular person every day you know it can be a very toxic atmosphere how do you deal with that personally Yeah, I'll say, like, at first, like, when I first started it, I was obviously, it did, like, get, like, inside my head. And I was obviously more, I let my anger come through. I'll say that because, like, obviously, when somebody's saying something that's not true, and especially since I'm, like, a girl that's posting on TikTok football stuff, like, it's more than just, like, getting called bandwagon. It's a lot of, like, them, like, testing my football knowledge because I'm a, like, girl. So I think, like, At first, like, I came out with anger. And then as, like, I matured and as, like, the years have gone by, I seem to, like, more just laugh it off in a way and just ignore it. Because at the end of the day, those people don't really know me. And there's a lot of people that support the content I make and, you know, always want me to continue posting and always want to interact and go on my live videos. So I just focus on, like, the positive aspect of it. Yeah, very well said there. And I got to say, I've been on, I've been viewing a couple of your live streams where definitely some negative po comments pop up and just the way you handle it is so mature. And I mean, I think you're someone that's very mature for your age. I mean, you're not that young. I don't want to, you know, make it seem like you're a baby out here or anything, but no, you're very yeah. mature and the way you handle and just move on is definitely really professional. So I do commend you for that. Um, but beyond all this, Leah, beyond all you being a Barca supporter and just a fan of the sport in general, I think you're just, you know, a regular person. So I think it'd be nice to give a little bit of insight as to who you actually are. So would you mind telling us like where you're from, where you go to school um, and just so we can get a little bit more of, you know, insight about that. Yeah. So I'm from the U.S., specifically New York. So Big Apple. Um, and I go to a, like a like a small private college in the city. So I'm currently double majoring in accounting is my first major. And then my second major is business management. So Those are my two majors currently. Oh, wow. That sounds like a giant workload. I mean, I, my old I mean, major was communication. So yeah, that just that on top of accounting, I can't imagine what you're going through. Yeah, it, it's a lot. I will say that. At first, I started off with just business management because I was like, I want to go into like the sports and management and marketing realm of everything. And then I realized that a lot of like the accounting stuff would definitely help out with my management stuff because like the class is somewhat combined so it was like let me just you know I at first I took accounting more as like a backup and then I realized I actually like it also so no that's awesome that's just what ended up happening that's great um do you I mean you kind of said it there but you know what's the 
future career plans or what's your dream job, I guess, is the better question for those two degrees. Yeah. So my dream job, I guess, like that's the, my top dream is possibly to like work for Barca, the club itself or like their social media marketing aspect. But I wouldn't mind also working in the likes of like, I don't know, like ESPN even or, you know, CBS doing the same stuff. Um, and then in regards to accounting, I, I would want to use like my knowledge of that more into like, I guess, the financial aspect of like the club or like the business itself. Oh, yeah, because Lord knows that Barcelona can definitely use some help on that side. <laughs> they, they, they need financial help. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's awesome. Um, that was kind of my next question. You know, if you want to work within media in the sport or social media within the sport. So I guess you kind of knocked it out there. And that's great. Honestly, I think a lot of us kind of start, you know, the social media kind of influencer thing as a just just for fun, you know, just to follow along with the trends, as you said earlier. But then, you know, it grows into this passion. And then when you mix that with the passion you have for your favorite team or your favorite sport, it just becomes this world of endless possibilities. So, no, that's great. I really commend you for that. Thank you. Yeah, I think I think going back to 2020, like I think that's when I realized what I wanted to do with my like career path, because before I wasn't sure. And then I realized like I love football so much and I want to do something with my life that I enjoy, not something that like bore me, you know. So that became a big thing. Yeah, I think that's a lot of thing or I think that's something that a lot of people can um Oh, dang, I told you I fumble a lot. <laughs> but that's something okay. that a lot of people can relate to, you know? Um, you know, obviously no one wants to work in a cubicle the rest of their life and hate their job every day. They want to work in something they're passionate about. So yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. So that's great. So kind of going back to you, you know, you said you were born, you were from the States. Um, I imagine there's no connection or ties with Spain or Barcelona specifically, is there? Uh, no. <laughs> so with that being said, is there any, when it comes to the national team perspective, is there any national teams that you support or one that you favor more than the other? Because I know a lot of Barca supporters specifically root for Spain, maybe not so recently, but in the past, definitely because it was just filled with Barca players. Is that the case for you? Um, I'll say that like, I do favor Spain a lot. That being said, obviously I live in the U S so I'm going to want to support the U S men's national team as well, just cause like you, I, I kind of have to, like, I live here. Like, I kind of have to be a patriot at one point. But, yeah, I do favor Spain a lot. I will say I favor Italy because I grew up in, like, an Italian neighborhood. So I favor them as well. Um, Argentina, of course, I wanted to see them win the World Cup, and it happened. But that was mainly, be mainly because of, like, Messi and Di Maria. I wanted to see them finally lift it. So I'll say that. And also, since my mom is from Ukraine, I also do um, – I also do – favor the ukrainian national team but again like i will say like a big part like i do support the usa more than like the other teams you also mentioned you know the barca women's team earlier and that's a team that has had great success not just the women's team but every single barcelona professional sport i think we won every single major trophy that there was to win in the league this past season which is awesome and, and you know never never been done before um so kind of focusing more on the women's aspect of the game um i guess the kind of the same question i mean do you support a lot of the uh, Spanish players that play for Barcelona and the Spanish national team because again it's just littered with Barcelona players in the national team I mean I try I know like a lot of them are currently not playing with Spain's national team because like that like the women's team has like their issues going on there right now and I completely support their decision but obviously like when it comes to them playing for Spain like obviously I want to see those Barcelona players do well 
And then just on the women's sport in general, I mean, obviously, you know, you can talk about Spain, but I think for Barcelona more specifically, um, I think a lot of us would be reminisced if we don't mention that they had a great season. Um, they went invincible in the league. Uh, they won all 30 of the games, scoring an unbelievable 137 goals, conceding 15. And I thought the Barca men team's defense was great this past season, but look at the women's. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is there any support that comes with that, uh, with the women's Barcelona team? I like try and support the women's team as much as I can. Obviously, I can't watch every game, and I think a big part of that is how the games, like the time the games are played, because I do feel like they are the way they play the men's games, like the time that they play the men's games is like more, it's much better time timing for me whereas the women's team plays more when i have like class unfortunately and like i can't really watch them so i do try my best though to like watch as many games and i feel like the women's team was like the bright light in the club when the men's team was doing poorly the last couple of years so yeah i i do also try and post some women's team content on my tiktok as well because i just think that they should be celebrated Definitely, definitely. Now, with that being said, do you have any favorite players that you have from the women's team? Yeah, so obviously, Puteas. I don't know who doesn't love Puteas. She's like the goat of women's football. So, love her. Um, I'll also say I love Mappy. Mappy. I'm probably butchering her name. I'm so sorry. And I like um, Etiana also. Oh, yeah, those are some great players. Um, I think my personal favorite is the Nigerian striker we have. Um, you, you said you butchered I, one yeah. name earlier, but I'm going to butcher this so bad. It's uh, okay. We'll, we'll twin on that. Asisa Oshawa. I think I saw a video recently, and that's how they pronounced it. And I just, every time I hear it, you know, it's, um, it's a different pronunciation. I think, I think it's decent pronunciation, honestly. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But yeah, she scored 26 goals and assisted six this past season. That's just, that's crazy. And obviously, yeah, she's, she's good. Really She's going to represent Nigeria at the Women's World Cup. So, you know, any um, fan of her would love to see her rep it up for Nigeria. And we mentioned all the players that are going to play for Spain that also play for Barcelona. Puteos especially, who is coming back from an injury. So that's going to be yeah. really interesting to see how she's incorporated into the squad. And, and you mentioned there that, you know, there's a bit of, um, I guess, trouble brewing with the coaching staff going on in the women's national team with Spain. So... Uh, yeah, definitely. I hope it doesn't hinder any of the talents that they have coming from Barcelona and their potential. But yeah, the Women's World Cup, that's coming up pretty soon. That's pretty exciting. Uh, do you plan on viewing any games? I know because it's in Australia, the time is just going to be so yeah. up and down. But do you plan to sit down and watch any? I'm, I'm going to try my best because some of the games are like 3 a.m. my time. And then it goes from 3 a.m. to all of a sudden 9 p.m. at night. So I'm going to try my best. Obviously, I won't be able to watch every single game, but I'm going to try and make sure that I watch as many of like the knockout games as I can. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned, you know, you represent the U.S. men's national team to an extent because, you know, you live in the States. You have to be a patriot, you said. Um, that's your quote. I'm not <laughs> trying to take a jab or anything. Um, You're all good. Don't worry. Do you, does the same go for the women's national team? Obviously, they're going for their third in a row. Do you think that's possible? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I do think like, it's nice to see that like the USA is not for like for the women's side is like, not the only dominant team now, like other countries are catching up as well. So I think that's what's going to make this World Cup even more entertaining, because I feel like it's always one sided. But I will say I still want to see the USA win because it's the USA. And I feel like if the men's team is not going to win us the World Cup, at least we could rely on the women's team. Like, exactly. For, win us World Cup. Yeah, we can definitely bathe in their glory. The Is there anything else woman-related you want to talk about before we go back to mostly Barcelona and the men's side? Um, 
Not that I could think of at the moment. Okay, cool. And then we can always, you know, retouch and revisit other topics. So just let me know. Um, but yeah. yeah, let's switch attention back to Barcelona men's, the Barcelona men's team. Um, I just really quickly want to get your thoughts on the season or I guess the most recent season, you know, the one just passed where obviously we won La Liga, um, didn't do the best in the Champions League. There was a lot of highs and a lot of lows, definitely. But what were your overall opinions and thoughts about the most recent season? I don't think it was that bad of a season. Obviously, being eliminated and out of the Champions League in the group stage, obviously, that's not Barcelona standards. Even being like eliminated in the round of 16, that's definitely not Barcelona standards. So I understand the frustration, but I think people need to realize that, well, one reason, like the referee in that intergame, I don't want to bring it up again, but I am going to bring it up because... Obviously, there was a handball incident there, and that could have, like, made or bro- broken, like, where Barca's placement was in those, like, group stage standings. So, there was that. But a bigger part of that, I think people need to realize that a lot of, like, our defenders that were new, that were brought in to help reinforce the defense, got injured. So, it's, like, starting from square one again when we really needed them. And I feel like people also need to realize that even though, like, I backed Xavi 100%, he's still learning also. And obviously, some people may not agree with his decisions 100%. I get it. But they also have to realize that he's working with what he has. And people were complaining about the starting 11, not realizing that those are the players that he has. And he sees them in training. And he knows what player is deserving to start and what player isn't. I will say, though, I am very proud of like the defensive performance of the team, specifically in La Liga. I think that's like a big step. Because usually our attack is wonderful and our defense falls apart but this time it seemed more like our attack was just ineffective but the defense held off and stood on their own and i'm very proud of that um obviously the first trophy they won was supercopa de españa which people could say whatever they want i still think a trophy is a trophy and i think that's what helped boost the morale of the team and i think that's a trophy they really needed i would have liked to see them win copa del rey so they could have gotten a domestic treble Obviously, that did not happen, but I'm still proud of the performance they put on in La Liga through everything. Definitely, definitely. I do agree with most of that, Leah. So yeah, that's great to get your perspective. We talked, or I guess you talked about a lot of positives and negatives from the season just passed. What do you think is the one overarching theme or trend that you think the Barca men's team can improve on come next season? What's one area of the squad that you think we can really uh, sharpen up come next season? I have like three things, but I think a big thing is physicality, especially in the Champions League. I don't think they'll be able to like the difference between the way other teams in Europe play is that they're more aggressive and physical. And even though Barcelona have that technical aspect, they lack that, you know, physicality that allows other teams to easily, easily bully them off the ball. You said there's a few other things there. Do you just want to mention them now and we can kind of, you know, talk about them yeah. a little bit more in depth? Yeah. So another aspect is the creativity aspect in the final third. I feel like especially when Pedri was out with injury, Dembele was out with injury and Frankie was out with injury. It felt like there was a lack of creativity there. But I do think now that they have Gundo, like maybe that could change. Um, and also the mentality, because I think their mentality is strong in La Liga. But if we're referring to Champions League, which I hope Barcelona could make it past the group stage this time, um, I think their mentality does struggle in the Champions League a lot. Definitely. And then, Leah, I got to play devil's advocate here just a little bit just for the sake of having a bit of a discussion. Um, So are you at all fearful, given uh, the reinforcements that Real Madrid 
uh, imposed this this past summer. And obviously, it's their biggest rival. Um, you can talk about Atletico and Villarreal and a couple other teams in La Liga. But Real Madrid, I think it's always pretty obvious that they're the biggest rival when it comes to Barcelona for both the league and yeah. maybe the Champions League, especially recently. Um, are you at all fearful with the reinforcements and signings that they brought in uh, and how they're going to fare come next season? Yeah, obviously the big name player right now, Bellingham, we still don't know if they're going to get Mbappe or not. So that's like a mystery. Obviously, if they end up getting Mbappe, like it is what it is. I still trust Barcelona um, and Real Madrid have always had big name players like that's not anything new obviously with them getting Bellingham I know he's a great player and I honestly I know he's a youngster but I also know that Real Madrid are Barca's rivals but at the end of the day just basing him off player wise not as like uh, like not as like Real Madrid's player I do want to see him do well because like I never want to see a youngster struggle but I have yet to see him play with Real Madrid so it's kind of like I don't know how he'll adapt because oftentimes players come from other leagues and they come to La Liga and they just don't do well um and I think it's because La Liga is more technical than other leagues, but that could just be me. Um, so I'll say that. Obviously, they also did take Arda Guler, which is still a sensitive topic for a lot of Barca fans. But at the end of the day, like people ask me about this all the time on my lives. And I always say he's a good player. I'm not going to be salty about it. I'm not going to say he's bad because there's no point. He's good technically, good dribbling wise, good passing. I still think that no matter club, no matter what club he chose, he should have went on loan because he's still young. And I just don't see him getting minutes right now, them, at least that many minutes on the first team of Real Madrid. But I do think he's a good player. So obviously I've yet to see them perform Real Madrid. So we'll see what happens regarding that. I think definitely, too, another aspect that us Barca fans can kind of, you know, uh, hold over Real Madrid fans is the fact that Ancelotti is obviously going to leave come the end of this season or this upcoming season. So I think that's going to have this huge cloud of uncertainty under the club, you know, because, you know, who's going to be the next coach? Are they going to play similar to yeah. Ancelotti? Or how are they going to embed the youngsters and so on and so on? So I think that's one aspect that Barca fans can, you know, have over uh, Real Madrid fans. And definitely I think it will be a very exciting title race because obviously at La Liga is the only competition where they compete head-to-head with each other. And if it goes anything like last season, you know, it's just going to be great news for Barcelona fans. But definitely, I will say, you know, sign, the signing of Bellingham especially makes me a bit more skeptical. But, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah. And with everything that you said, you know, it takes time to get integrated into the squad. It takes time to get integrated to a new league. And he's so young, too. But, yeah, definitely going to be a great La Liga season to watch in the upcoming uh, season. So... I guess that was it as far as thoughts on the most recent season and the upcoming season. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about very quickly before we go to the larger roster breakdown segment? Um, no. Okay. I'm good. Perfect. Um, so with that being said, guys, uh, great uh, conversation starters, but I think we're going to get into the larger segment now of the podcast episode where we, where we Lee and I, I should say, we're going to go through the, ro- the Barcelona roster and really break down player by player, you know, and we're going to have a couple options here and there, you know, obviously some players that we want to decide. This doesn't have to happen, you know, this transfer window because it's almost mid-July now, or I guess it is mid-July, and the transfer window is coming to a close very, very soon. But, you know, in the future, you know, we're going to decide, you know, should we keep this player, sell this player, uh, maybe even a possible loan deal, because that's always an option in the world of football. So Leonardo are just going to go through the roster and kind of break that down. So, Lee, are you ready for that? Yes. Okay, perfect. So let's start off with the man in goal. I think Barcelona's best player 
from last season, or if not one of the, then Mark and Tristegan are number one in goal. I think he's an obvious keep. I think the you know this is probably going to be the, one of the easiest ones. But. No, one hundred percent. He was like the best player, and I think I don't know. Maybe it's the new hair. I I don't know what it is, <laughs> but maybe it's the defense finally helping him and like doing their job. But I think he's been crucial, even when the defense couldn't get there. He was able to stop one versus ones also this season when needed. Yeah, even when the defense was constantly rotating and changing in front of him, Tristegan stayed very, very consistent. And like you said, I think yeah. it has a little bit to do with his hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you see that? Uh, I, I guess it wasn't a meme. It was just a name that we were fans were calling him. They started calling him Hairstegan after that oh, transplant. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I do got to say, his contract is up in 2025, so maybe it is time for a new deal very, very soon. Would you say that now is a good time to negotiate that? For his new, I would say, yeah. I will say, though, that obviously he's in his 30s now. And I know people are like, oh, he's 30. We need to look for the future. And I get that. But goalkeepers could last a little longer in a way. They could last, you know, 40s, somewhere around there. So we'll see. But I do think it's time to, like, I, I think I heard something about them trying to re, uh, renegotiate until 2028. So Oh, that'd be we'll perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, speaking of looking to the future, their backup goalkeeper is definitely one that we can have that as an option. Inaki Pena, 24 years old. Uh, I yeah. think he's worth keeping around because I think he's a very suitable replacement for Ter Stegen when he's not fit or when he needs a rest. What would you? What do you think? I mean, I agree. Me personally, I prefer Arnaud Tenas. But right now he's out of contract. But I really want him to, like, if he doesn't, if he gets back under contract, I do say, like, let's just loan him out because he's too good of a goalkeeper to be sitting as a third place backup. But, yeah, I would say Iñaki Pena is good as a backup at the moment for sure. Definitely, definitely agree there. Um, all right, so moving on to center backs now, because you mentioned the other goalkeeper I was going to mention. Um, <laughs> and definitely we can mention some Barcelona B players in here because I think a lot of them were trained with the first team uh, at the tail yeah. end of this most recent season, so they're definitely worth a mention. But moving on to center backs, I think we should just start with the obvious ones. Araujo, definite keep, and I think he's going to be a captain here very, very soon for Barcelona. I think so. He gives me Puyol vibes in the way that he like has that passion and like that fire, if that makes sense. So part of this roster breakdown, Leah, you know, it's not just going through the players and being like, oh, we should keep him, sell him on, whatever. I think it's, you know, also a talk about depth and best positions because Araujo, this is a great conversation or great place to start this conversation because obviously he's a world-class center back. I think one of the best center backs in the world, but then he's also a really good right back, especially coming up against some very versatile and tricky left wingers. Um, And then obviously, you know, we got in the likes of Martinez uh, in the summer. How do you think he's going to fair or what position do you think he'll play mostly in the back four for Barcelona next season I think he's just gonna be on that left side as like a center back but I will say I think he's coming in more as a backup rather than a starter and I think he's aware of that he also has injury prone issues as well but I aside from Araujo we don't really have anybody that's like an aggressive like defender and I think having Inigo Martinez is like another aspect of like a player that's aggressive that we need so I think he's just going to be more of like a backup but I mean at least we don't have to play Alonso as like a left-footed center back Mm -hmm. anymore hopefully so as long as Inigo Martinez remains fit I think we'll be fine yeah, I think you said it perfectly there because it's very crucial to mention that he's left-footed. Barcelona doesn't have a lot of left-footed defenders, and I think he slots in very nicely in that left center-back position. Whether that's next to, you know, Araujo, Kunde, Christensen, or whoever the case may be, I think it'll be very, very useful to have someone be able to use their left foot on that left side. So 
great to mention there. And obviously, we mentioned Inago Martinez there. Um, do you want to give your overall opinions and thoughts on that transfer? I know you just kind of did, but uh, how do you? <laughs> I mean, I could mention a few things. I think he's yeah. good. I mean, I, I forget. Is he like 31, 32? I don't remember. But he's in his 32, 30s. Yeah. 32, yeah. So I think he's just there for that aggressiveness, for that experience that he adds to that back line. And I really like his, like, like I don't his attitude and mentality because already you see him posting, like, on Instagram that he's ready, that he wants to win titles. And I like that aspect of a player. He seems like a player that is going to go 100%. And obviously, is he the fastest player? No. But is he there? Is he going to be able to stay back defensively? And is he strong defensively? Yeah. It's just a pace aspect that obviously he lacks. But as long as we already have, you know, players like Araujo, players like Balde, players like Kunde that have that pace, I think we should be good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree with you there. So moving on to the next center backs. And we mentioned him a little bit ago, Jules Kunde, obvious keep. Um, very, very versatile as well. He can also play as right back. Honestly, I think he played right back more last season than Araujo did himself. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, how do you see him lining up in the back four next season? Well, I think it depends if Barcelona get like a natural, posi- like a player that's like a naturally positioned as like a right back. But if they don't, obviously Kunde is probably going to play there. The only issue is, is that Kunde is kind of limited as a right back. Yes, he could play it, but sometimes you could notice that it's not his strongest suit but also I think people were criticizing him a lot when he got to play as a center back this season but I think because he like wasn't performing at a high level but again people need to realize that he wasn't really playing as a center back the whole season so obviously he was going to be rusty when given the opportunity I think it's funny how a lot of fans, not just Barcelona fans specifically, but just fans in general, they thought, oh, Kunde is a great right back for Barcelona and blah, blah, blah. But then, as you mentioned earlier, he's not that great going forward or not that comfortable, I would say, going forward. And then this really became more prevalent in the World Cup with France when he was playing that right back spot and would get caught out of position in the midfield, you know, going forward from right back. And then that's when kind of fans started to see that, okay, maybe that's not his best or preferred position, but definitely very versatile, you know. And if you want to play a more attacking left back like Balde we have, and I think Kunde is a great option to have there. So whether it's on the center back or right back position, still, nevertheless, great player, great keep. And I can see him at the club for many years to come. Um, moving on to, I think, well, I guess there's a couple more center backs. Andres Christensen, I think this was arguably the signing of uh, the best signing from last season. He just came in, um, no I drama. Agree. Very, very, I mean, obviously he had some injury problems later on, but who doesn't? But just... Very, very secure in the back line, and he was a part of that famous back four that ended up uh, breaking a couple records for La Liga and just the world football, European football in general. So yeah, obvious keep as well, and I'm excited to see where his future lies in the club. Yeah, I agree. I think Christensen balances out well with that Araujo because Araujo has that fire, that aggressiveness. Whereas Christensen is very calm, but I will say he's very reliable as well. And technically, he's really good on the ball, which is very good for like Barca's style of play. Now, I say we go to the less controversial center back before we get to the one that I think is going to spark a bit of a debate, and that's Clement Longley, <laughs> obviously coming back from loan from Spurs, and I think it would be nice if Barca could get a little bit of cash for him and reinvest it into the club. The problem is, you know, similar to MTT a couple seasons ago, is just there's no suitors at the moment, but obviously um, maybe he can negotiate his contract to leave on a free, and that would be more appeasable for other clubs, but what do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I think before A2, he was decent, and then A2 happened, and I don't know what happened. Like, his mentality crumbled. And I'm not saying he's bad, because obviously I still see the potential in him, but I think if he's going to stay on the bench, and with Barca's financial situation, there's no point of keeping him if he's not going to be at least, like, a second backup. 
And I think if we were able to sell a player like Umtiti, I think it'd be a little bit more easier to find a suitable uh, club or position for Longley. So yeah, definitely if we can, I don't want to see him out on the bench either, you know? So if he's just sitting, yeah. if he's just sitting there uh, soaking up wages, then yeah, what's the point? So I definitely agree if we can find a suitor, the better. Um, so this one I think is going to spark a bit of a conversation. Uh, Leah, how do you feel about Eric Garcia? Okay. Eric Garcia gets a lot of hate. Here's the thing. I will back Eric Garcia, you know, because no matter what, he's a Barcelona player and I'm not going to hate on any Barca player. That being said, obviously, he's been sitting, he was sitting on the bench a lot this season. He got chances. He got to play as a CDM, as a pivot. Worked out one game, another game it didn't. I think people need to realize that's not like the position he knows. And obviously, he's not going to be the best at it because it takes experience to be as good as other pivots are but I think Eric has potential but he's just too inconsistent and I think he's also um a player that sometimes does the action before thinking like he makes unnecessary fouls to create penalties or does unnecessary things that are not needed instead of just being smarter about it but again I think that just comes with again getting experience to play if you don't get experience to play you're going to continue making the same mistake quick funny story so a couple years ago when Eric first came to the club and Xavi was continuously starting him at center back, I was very vocal, especially on this podcast, about how much I really didn't like or, you know, uh, rate Eric Garcia as a center back. And then, you know, it became our most viewed video on our on our podcast TikTok page of me just kind of like bashing him. But then over the years, it's just like he's been improving slightly. I will say with Eric Garcia, he is a very good passer, a very good distributor. And I think that's why Xavi constantly played him at center back when he did. But yeah. I think Barcelona is in the best position right now because he came in on a free. And if we can get any sort of turnaround for that, it would be great for the club. Um, so my personal opinion, if there is a suitable um, offer on the table, I would take it. Because, again, I don't see how he gets in over the likes of, you know, Araujo, Kunde, Christensen, even Martinez. But oh, if, he- if there is an offer, I would take it. But I does, it just doesn't look like there's going to be one. Yeah, I will say that like right now with the financial state Barcelona in, it's so fragile that sometimes like if I could, like I would give players more chances, but some in the financial state Barcelona is in, it's hard to continue giving players chances knowing that like we need results immediately. Exactly, exactly. And then you mentioned it earlier too, he played as a pivot a couple times last season, so he's proven he can be versatile and play anywhere that Xavi needs him to play. Do you see him kind of stepping into that pivot role? Well, albeit for, you know, a couple of games and when needed come next season. To be fair, him as a pivot wasn't bad the first game. I feel like people need to realize, obviously, people were arguing, well, that's not a Champions League winning team. I get it that they were playing against. I completely get it. But he has to start from somewhere. I see potential in it. I think he's, you know, pretty good with his passing. And I think he's able to link up, like, sort of the defense and attack in a way. But I do think the pivot position is a very, like, mature position. So if Xavi wants to play him there, he needs to give him more minutes there. And if that causes Barcelona to lose games, like that may end up happening because he needs to gain experience there if that's like what they're looking for in the future. All right. So moving on to the outside backs now, I've, let's start with the obvious one, uh, Alejandro Balde. I was for years, you know, doing research and seeing who can be the potential Jordi Alba replacement. Never did I imagine there would come from a La Masia graduate. And I am so happy that Balde came into the first team how he did. And I am so happy he's going to be our left back for years to come. And yeah, I would keep this man forever if I could. 
Yeah, he's my favorite youngster currently. I think he has improved so much from like the beginning of the season to now. Obviously, I think he's better attacking wise compared to like defensively, but defensive abilities take longer to develop anyways. That's why defenders hit prime way later than the likes of like midfielders and forwards. But I do think like he's good on the ball. He has good speed, good dribbling and I will say, obviously, compared to Alba, like his crossing may not be as great, but Alba has experience and Baldi is going to get more experience as it goes on. I do think his crossing has improved, though. So then aside from Baldi, I mean, there's not really a lot of left back cover, um, obvious, <laughs> apart from Marcus Alonso, who is the next player we can yeah. touch on. But honestly, if he and Baldi are the two left backs going into the season, you know, and it's solidified that Baldi is going to be the starter and Alonso will play to give him rest or be a backup or, you know, give him rest in the last 15, 20 minutes of the game. I am perfectly content with that. And Alonso is also capable of playing as a left center back, like you mentioned earlier. So for the next season, at least, I am very content and okay with keeping Alonso at the club. How do you feel? Yeah, okay. I'm fine with it for at least one more season. I will say, I don't think Alonso is bad. Like, I think he's good defensively. I think the issue arises is that he's slow. So if the if a forward from the opposite team is able to get in front of him, then you're just going to be able to get past him. Like, he's not going to be able to catch up to you. So I think that's the only issue. But obviously, if, you, if he's in front of the... If he's in front of, like, the forwards or, like, the midfielders of that team, like that Barca are going up against, then I think it's a completely fine situation. Yeah, exactly. And then, obviously, his contract expires at the end of this upcoming season, and there is an option for another year beyond that. But like you said, one more year, and that's perfectly okay in my opinion. Beyond that, I think it's kind of, you know, rolling the dice a little bit. Um, so that was the left-back positions, so right-backs. I think, uh, this, I guess this is one player that we can touch on in midfield a little bit, but Sergio Roberto, who is the current club captain, Contract does expire coming into the season, can deputize his right back. But honestly, I think his best position is, you know, central midfielder. We saw that last season a bit. So how do you feel? Look, I think Sergio Roberto gets a lot of hate and I get it. But I think he's given us some iconic moments, obviously, the comeback against PSG, the run he made in that 2017 El Clasico leading to Messi's last minute goal. And I think in general, he's had good moments this season. It just sucks that every single time he has a game that's amazing, he gets injured that game. Like, I've noticed that, and it's just irritating because I know that if he's if he's able to, like, not get injured and continue to have that consistency of playing, that maybe, like, people wouldn't be so against him. Because I don't think he's that bad. I just think that there's better players in those positions, and that's why he doesn't get playtime. So exact same situation as Alonso. His contract expires at the end of this se- at the end of this next season, as I mentioned. But there is an option for a further year. Would you let him exit on a free, or would you possibly trigger that renewal contract or renewal clause? I'll let him exit on a free. I, look, I do like Sergio Roberto. I'm not going to hate on him. Like I honestly do respect him a lot, but I think it's time. Yeah, definitely is time. And you know, who knows? Maybe he can link up with Messi, Busquets, and Alba into Miami at the end of his contract. Inter Miami is having like Barca 2.0 over there. For real. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. This is where I want to get your opinion on because I really don't know how you feel about these two right backs. Serginho Dest, you know, obviously didn't have the best time since Xavi came in. Didn't have the best time either at all for AC Milan come last season. But I think, in my opinion, he's a very, very um, versatile right back and cut into midfield. Very dangerous from the wing cutting inside. And he shows it all the time when he plays for the United States men's national team. You mentioned, you know, you're a fan of them and you, I imagine yeah. you see a lot of that. And I think it proved at the World Cup especially and at the most recent Nations League. Um, but yeah, it seems like he's the most natural fit at right back who is still currently with the club. Obviously, there's Julian Araujo, but he's more of a B-team player. Um, how do you feel about Dest? 
I, okay, here's the thing. I like Dest, but I think the Barcelona style of play doesn't suit him. And I think what's best for both parties is if he goes to a club where the style of play suits him. Obviously, a good player is able to adapt to the style of play, but also sometimes players are just not made to play a certain way. And if you're not able to get 100% from like him because he's playing a style of a style that is not suited to him, then, then there's a point of like cashing him in and getting money out of it. I will say, let's see what happens this preseason. Maybe like he'll surprise because I do want to see him succeed because like then Barcelona don't have to like go out of their way and make take money out of the bank to buy a new right back but of course like I just feel like he's just not as comfortable on the ball and to be a Barcelona player you need to be comfortable on that ball and then I mentioned the other one, Julian Araujo, who I'll, I'll admit, because obviously, you know, I live in the States. Um, I love the LA Galaxy. You know, I am, uh, I was born in Mexico, so I love the Mexican national team. So I was super ecstatic when this signing came through and I saw him, you know, a path from the B team to the A team. But I got to admit, you know, obviously he's chained with the, the A team recently. I just don't see it working out similar to the reasons that you mentioned for Dest. The style of play, it seems like he's not adapting well. And given it is, you know, his first season, not even season, like half a season with Barcelona. But man, I wanted this to just, I wanted Rodolfo to come and start flying, but it didn't seem like it would take off. But, you know, I would give him time, maybe some more time in La Masia and the Barca B team under Rafa Marquez. But I think like he has potential because when they were playing in Japan against Iniesta's, well, now it's his old club because he left, but when they were playing against Iniesta's team, like I saw potential there. Like he has the speed, he's able to track back, but he wasn't also playing for like six months until like that game happened and i think he was rusty for sure but again saw the potential there i think maybe a loan would do him well or maybe they mm-hmm. could sell him but like have some type of buy option for them to have back if they want him again i don't know i think he definitely needs more minutes and he's just not going to get that at barcelona at the moment i think the preseason with this right back spot will foreshadow a lot of the starting right back role in this upcoming season because obviously xavi will get a look at dest um araujo and then maybe he just relies on uh, Kunde to play right back for majority of the season. So yeah, I think this upcoming preseason will definitely dictate a lot of the starting right back role for the upcoming yeah. season. Um, that was pretty much all the defenders. So Leah, I want to ask you this. What would be your ideal preferred back for come next season? At the moment, I'm going to stick to what we know works and that's Kunde at right back, Araujo at center back, Christensen at center back, and then have all day on left back because that seemed to work and I think we just got to stick with Exactly, exactly. I agree with you 100%. And then there's just so much depth, too, beyond that. Obviously, there's a lot of center backs that can play you know, on the, either the left or the right. So I'm perfectly content with keeping majority of the players that we have and you know, rotating them in and out when it becomes necessary and then obviously fielding our best preferred starting back for, for the big important games. So the defense, I think, is honestly pretty solidified and one of the positions or of the field that I feel most comfortable with come next season. So again, I'm really excited and hopefully to continue the records or continue the record breaking season that they had this past season. Yeah, hopefully I feel like it's hard because they had such a good defense uh, last season that like now it's like, Oh my God, like now they have to kind of beat that. And it's going to be so hard to do that. All right. So moving on to the midfield, Leah, this is where it gets really interesting. Um, obviously, we have the youngsters, Gavi, Pedri, I think goes without mention. It's obvious. Keeps so young, so so much potential. And again, really excited. Hopefully their seasons aren't hampered by injuries like they have been recently. But yeah, again, really excited to see those two specifically next season. Yeah. So with like Pedri, I think Pedri is great. He's a, such a good player. I think he acts like when he's on that field, he's there doing everything, uh, playing in deep, trying to be creative, trying to get those passes going. And I definitely think that when he le- was gone because of injury, like 
that's where the creativity aspect started to crumble with Barca because Pedri was the one that was making a lot of those good passes to Lewandowski for him to score. Um, I will say the only problem with Pedri is that he's injury prone. Like, I don't, I think it's because he overplayed his first season and then I don't think he's fully recovered. Like his muscles haven't fully recovered from that. Oh yeah. He played so much first team football that first season. He played in the Olympics and then played in the Euros as well for Spain. That man, he needed a well, a well-earned break, but he only got like two weeks about it. And then it was back to preseason for Barca. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why they forced him to play in the Olympics. I think they should have realized that. I think he was like 18 at the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I think they should have realized that he's an 18 year old kid. Like, let's not do that. But I guess they wanted to win, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right, so obvious keeps for those two. Kind of getting into more controversial picks now. Frankie de Young, a player who has divided opinion for so many Barca fans. But when it comes to me, I've always been very vocal about keeping Frankie de Young. A lot of when he was brought in, a lot of fans were saying, "Oh, it's a perfect Busquets replacement." Me personally, I never saw him as a pivot. Yes, he worked out really well in a double pivot for Ajax, but he was never the sole defensive destroyer that Busquets was for the prime of his careers. He's a great distributor, yes, and in a midfield three, he does flourish, but. Nevertheless, I don't know why I'm ranting on. But anyways, obvious keep. Um, definitely love Frankie, and I would keep him unless a huge, massive offer comes in that you have to, you can't say no to because Lord knows Barcelona does need, does need the money. But I love that Frankie. That offer has to be like 150 mil or something. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it can't be from Saudi Arabia. I'm not selling him there. Yeah. He's going to go anywhere. He has to go to a, a pristine club. Yeah, I, I say keep Frankie. Again, as you said, I don't see him as a single pivot he could play as a double pivot but Frankie does best when he has that freedom to move forward so if you know now that apparently I don't I'm kind of going to a new player but now that it seems like Fabrizio Roman has given the here we go to Oriyar Ramu coming I definitely could see them playing as like a double pivot because like he's solid defensively and then it gives Frankie the freedom to move upward and make those runs in the final third Oh, you mentioned him there. You might as well just talk about him. But yeah, Romeo coming yeah. in for 4.5 million euros, plus Pablo Torre going on loan the other way. So, I mean, that's one less player we can go on. He's going to go on loan, get more first-team minutes, which I think is very important. But yeah, uh, Romeo, who actually, I think, in my opinion, is a very interesting player. He is actually a product of La Masia. He represented Barca yeah. in the youth rings from 2007 all the way to 2011. Um, never really cracked the first team, but he is, I think, through and through a defensive midfielder. Um, and honestly, he's pretty good at that. Um, he's a very good distributor as well. 86 pass completion rate per 90 from last season. That's the top 81% per midfielders in the world. Um, I will say, though, he almost he offers op- almost absolutely nothing progressively and progressive passes, carries, um, but is pretty decent with tackles and uh, yeah. interceptions and aerial duels, which he obviously thrives in. So he's kind of giving me more. I, 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 I got to admit, I never really seen a lot of him play. But he's kind of, just by looking over his stats, I've seen a lot of more, I get the feel of this uh, kind of destroyer midfielder vibe. And I think where Busquets thrived last season, or I guess in his prime specifically, was the ability to re- recycle possession and then recycle it to the midfield and to the forwards and so on. I think Romeo's job is just going to be to solely recycle possession and then pass it on to you know players like Frankie, Pedri, Gavi, who are able to progress the place forward because Romeo does not shine in that aspect. So honestly, when you consider all this, I am perfectly content and okay and honestly pretty happy with the signing, especially because he's a La Masia graduate. He knows the club in and out. And I think it was, you know, just a perfect situation because it was a free obvious or not a free but very very low low cost very low risk so yeah i'm personally happy 
I agree. I think here's the thing. I think many people are upset about it because he's, you know, if he was 10 years younger, people would be like, oh, this is a great signing. At the end of the day, Ramu also did not like get, you know, his like he wasn't able to really get onto the first team of Barca like when he was in the academy and all of that because we had Busquets. And obviously nobody can replace Busquets because Busquets is Busquets and I would consider him one of the best in his positions. But I do think that there's people like Pep who praise who have praised him in the past and he's much a much more aggressive and physical pivot and I think that's a good change for Barca especially in in the Champions League and I think he's also pretty good on the ball and he's there to offer I think more of like an experience of experience and that power and aggressiveness he adds and he would also give a lot of freedom like you mentioned to like Frankie and Ped and Pedri and even Gundo now so I think it should be good. No, I think after Busquets left, especially, you know, Barcelona fans were crying out for the Busquets replacement. Maybe this isn't the long-term Busquets replacement, but it is a, you know, a temporary fix. And it is a pretty good one. Um, And I think this will go on to the other player that just came in for the midfield. You mentioned him there, Ilkay Gundogan. Obviously, I think he was at his best for Man City going forward. We saw that in the latter, latter stages of the season, whether it be the FA Cup or the Champions League. So I definitely think a player like Romeo in there is going to facilitate not just, you know, obviously who we have right now in Pedri and Gavi, but also Gundogan. So I'm personally excited for that. And again, um, was on a free, low risk, and then uh, just a great midfielder still at the age of 32. So I'm personally excited for that. And again, so much rotation, so much depth. Um, the sky's the limit for the midfield to come next season, honestly. Yeah. Uh, with Gundo, I think that obviously not really a risk because he came on free, but he's also one of the better midfielders right now. And the fact that Barcelona got him for free is a steal, plus experience, he's clutch, adds to that creativity aspect. Also, he has taken, I believe, lessons like as like a coach to get, like understand tactics, and apparently he has helped Man City with that. So I think he'll definitely be able to help at Barca as well. And one thing I think that he offers to this Barca midfield that a lot of players currently don't offer is the ability to shoot and score goals from outside the box, from long range. Obviously, you know, Pedri, Gavi, they get on the score sheet. But most of the time, it's when they're making runs inside the box and they score with inside the box. But Gundogan, as we saw many times last season, and honestly in his city tenure in general, is has just the ability to rip it from long range and pass it into the back of the net very beautifully. So that's one aspect that I yeah. think we're very much lacking. And, you know, and in a very tight game when you're trying to break down a defense, if you have an opening and you take a shot from, I don't know, a couple yards out, or not a couple, but, you know, from outside <laughs> the box, you know, you can definitely trust uh, Gundogan to put it in the back of the net. So I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I also think, like, with Pedri and Gundo, like, I think they add that creativity aspect, even Frankie. And I think that we need that because when Pedri and Frankie were injured, all we had is Gavi. And I think Gavi's great, but he's more of a player to, to add energy rather than creativity. All right, so a couple more midfielders here, Leah. Um, let's start with Nico Gonzalez, who was coming back from loan from Valencia. It's got to be said, at the beginning of the loan spell, it started off great, but I think it was more so the situation with Valencia with the club Valencia in general, not so much Nico, because I love Nico. Um, I really do wish there was a future for him here at Barcelona, but I just don't see him cracking into the first team or even having a lot of minutes in the upcoming season if he were to stay. Is very young, has a lot of potential, but maybe another loan would be the most suitable option for him as a career, because I mean, it, who would have predicted that the season for Valencia would have panned out the way it did? So maybe a more established club, maybe a club overseas, um, outside of La Liga. Uh, definitely alone, I think, would be very suitable for him. What do you think? 
Yeah, I agree. I think obviously, apparently there's reports that Shabby doesn't seem as like a pivot, but we'll see. I think he could definitely adapt to it. I just think like, again, he's young and that position like is, I think, one of like the more harder positions because you're linking up the attack with the defense. But I see a lot of potential in Nico. He's a very physical player and I think a lot would do him well to get minutes because right now he just wouldn't be getting that many minutes on the first team at the club. Definitely. And then I got to say, for me personally, I always have had such a soft spot for you know, La Masia midfielders in Barcelona because this right now it's Nico. Previous seasons, you know, it was Ricky Puig, Carlos Alenia. These are all midfielders that showed so much potential and the fans just gravitated towards and really learned to love, but it just never really worked out for, for one reason or the other. So I got to say, sadly, I think Nico's going to fall into that trend. But I mean, their careers haven't gone down the drainy. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? I really hope he does, and I want him to succeed, but uh, obviously it's getting difficult with the amount of midfielders there are right now. There. Yeah, it's just, man, you, I, don't, I really don't see him cracking or getting that many minutes in the upcoming season. Sadly, again, like I mentioned before and like you mentioned, it is a very sad scenario, but, oh. Anyways, wish him all the best. <laughs> um, all right, uh, I think the last midfielder that we're going to touch on and I think, again, is one that divides a lot of opinion, Frank Kessie, obviously he came in on a free, um, so any kind of turnaround that we get is, is going to be profit for Barcelona. But I got to say, I'm pretty disappointed that it didn't work out the way I wanted to at Barcelona because, you know, we mentioned earlier how we're crying out for a Busquets replacement. Again, Kessie was not going to be that Busquets in-and-out replacement, but, I mean, he thrived at a double pivot at AC Milan, and I think uh, Frankie du- thrived at a double pivot at Ajax. And in my mind, I was just crying out for Xavi to play, you know, a double pivot system with Frankie or Frank Kessie and Frankie de Young, but obviously that's not going to, that doesn't really work with his tactics and the philosophy of the club. Um, I would have liked to see it for maybe at least a couple of games, experiment a little bit, but I do, again, similar to Nico, I just don't see it working out and any investment that we can get from Kessie, I think it will be really well for the club's finances, but it doesn't seem like there's many suitors apart from the Saudi pro league. Yeah, I'll say this. I think Frank Kessier is a good player. I don't. I just don't think the Barcelona style of play suits him. I think he's had some good moments. Obviously, that last minute goal against Real Madrid that ended up winning Barcelona that El Clasico match. Like, obviously, he's had good moments and he's come in clutch a few times. But he's just too inconsistent. And if Barcelona could get money out of him, then like, yeah, I would hundred percent sell him. I'll also say like, it's also thinking again of like the situation versus and like I would keep him but Barcelona is in a difficult state financially so it's best to just like if the player is going to be on the bench then just to sell the player definitely and then I think one club that I have hadn't heard concrete rumors for Kessie coming in but it's kind of like the Paul Pogba situation with United and Juventus obviously Kessie came from AC Milan they just lost Tonali they need another midfielder in I think Kessie would have slot pretty nicely into that midfield but you know AC Milan is in their own financial troubles a little bit but there's one club that's very very suitable and very realistic I just haven't heard concrete rumors but again I hope he finds a decent club to that stature I just don't want to see him you know go down the ranks to a middling uh, La Liga team so I do wish Frankie or Frank Kessie all the best I get their name confused so often Frankie de Young and Frank Cassie. <laughs> if you think about it really quickly I get that yeah I, I think it's just because I do want to see them play in a double midfield pivot for Barcelona but probably you just <laughs> made me realize that their names are really similar I didn't realize that up until now <laughs> <laughs> okay um Aliyah same question as the defense what would be your ideal midfield three uh for next season this is so difficult I guess I'll say this Gundo has to start Pedri has to start could I do four in the midfield? Because I actually want to see Oriara Mu and um, and Frankie in a double pivot. But if that doesn't happen, I guess I would start Frankie and then have Gundo and Pedri and see how that works out. 
Oh, that's very interesting. I hope Shabi listens to this and takes your insight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's go on to the forwards now. Um, let's start with some obvious keeps. Um, let's start with, uh, well, let's start with the, seems like the only, well, not the only anymore, but the main center forward that we have right now, Robert Lewandowski, uh, 34 years of age right now. But honestly, I think he had a pretty decent season come last season. Yes, but, you know, fans will bombard him for the chances that he missed, for the games he was inconsistent for. But all in all, I think he was pretty decent when called upon. And definitely I would keep him for at least one more season until, you know, the likes of uh, Roque. Is that the player we just brought in from Brazil? Ito Roque, yes. Yeah, yeah, until he's um, well integrated into the squad. Yeah, I think Lewandowski did not have a bad season. I think people need to realize that, yes, he missed a few chances, but also with the injured players we had and the lack of creativity, the passes he were get he was getting, some of them weren't really good. And I also think when it, the other team also, like, they prioritize defending against Lewandowski, which opens up space for a lot of other players as well. I think he does a good job of opening up space, and that surprises, obviously, the defense of the other team. But I think he's had a pretty good season, and he scored, especially in the beginning of the season, he played a big part in, like, Barcelona winning their La League after a couple of years. So it's nice to see that. And in regards to Vitorake, I think it's like the passing of the torch. Obviously, we don't know yet when he's coming because Barca said summer of 2024. But now they're seeing like with financial fair play, if they could get him this summer or in January. Regardless, I think he will do well with Barcelona, especially being mentored under Lewandowski. And mm -hmm. he does have that technicality and that physicality as well as like he seems like a very smart player knowing like when um, to make that space and when to make those passes. And again, just so young. So the sky's the roof for, for Roque. I mean, he's only 18 years old. I think that's worth mentioning. Either He hasn't had a whole lot of first-team football under his belt. He's only played 14 games in the Brazilian Serie A. But, you know, in those 18 games, he scored eight, assisted two with Baranense. Um, scored 16 and assisted six in all competitions. That's 32 games last season. And actually, he posted 6.9 XG. So he's, you know, pretty prolific goal scorer when it comes to in front of the goal. And what I really like about him is that there's so much potential in terms of where he can play because yes a lot of players look at him as a center forward but he's also pretty versatile you know he can play on the right on the left albeit he did start only or did appear only once as a right winger last season but you know fared pretty pretty well so just so much potential and then you know at such a young age as well you know you can really be incorporated into many aspects of the squad and maybe with the likes of some other wingers that we have at Barcelona, you know, they can also take him under his stewardship and mentor him. So I'm really excited for that. But I will say the quicker he gets there, the better it is for Barcelona because the more integrated yeah. he gets into the squad, the more um, accustomed we come to Xavi's tactics and the way of football that he likes to play. So the sooner the better, but there is no rush because he is just so, so young. All right, so moving on to wingers now, I guess we'll start with the least controversial ones, but... I mean, I say that, and it seems like every single one is controversial. Um, but let's start with Rafinha. Rafinha? Oh, that's a controversial one, actually. <laughs> but I will say, I I like Rafinha. People throw hate on Rafinha. I think Rafinha had a great first season. He was clutch. He scored, like, one I think in two games, he scored the only goal, which allowed Barcelona to get those three points. So he's a big part of Barcelona winning the league. And obviously, I think he does, you know, on things like, I think he's good at dribbling. But when it comes to one versus ones, sometimes he overdoes it, gets too fancy, loses the ball in between his feet. And, like, the... Um, the opponent could like take away the ball easily from him. But I do think once he works on that, he has all the qualities to be a, a strong winger in that right wing, like right wing spot. And I do think he definitely did step in when Dembele got injured again this season. So I say he's a keep, I don't want to see him gone, but I know everyone's different. 
No, I definitely agree with you. And honestly, I think the best thing for Rafinha to happen last season was for, sadly, Dembele to get injured because that gave him a starting spot to really shine and show his talents. I will say, the only really downside for Rafinha when it comes to me, this is just me personally, um, I am not a big fan of his attitude. I, I know a lot of fans like to see passion from players when they come substitute, when they you know come off the pitch and they're substituted, especially when they've been arguably the best player on the pitch. But, you know, after one... Or a couple of times, it's like, you know, okay, we, uh, you know, show your passion. But then after a, ha- a handful of times, it just becomes kind of irritating. And I wish Xavi would, you know, sit him down and talk to him one-on-one and tell him, you know, at least not in front of the cameras when it's outside. But again, he is, well, he's 26. I was going to say he's pretty young. But <laughs> if anything, it just goes to show how passionate he is. And he, he is a fighter for sure. Um, but I think that Dembele does offer a lot of competition on that right wing spot. That's just the only knock I would have for Rafinha's his attitude. But that's fair. More professionalism. But as a player, he is a good player. So I I get that aspect. Exactly. Um, Well, might as well move on to Dembele now. (laughs) It seems like uh, Rafinha's competition for right wing. Dembele, the only issue with Dembele, he's injury prone. Give them, have Dembele 100%. He's very, like, a very influential because he has the ability with his speed and his dribbling ability to kind of knock his opponent off balance the only thing is again injury i wish he didn't get injured i really wish he did it but i do think he definitely has matured at like as a player under travi and to be fair he didn't get injured for a while until like he just got his most recent injury so he's improving and some type of aspect there i just (laughs) wish he doesn't get injured again but we'll see what happens this season yeah, this past season was the season where he clocked up the most minutes since the Borussia Dortmund days, so that's you know pretty promising. And again, it comes a lot with age. And if we're all being honest, when Dembele first arrived to the club, he lacked a lot of physicality. But it seems like he's really you know beefed up in the past couple of seasons. I think honestly, a lot of Barca players do. I mean, have you seen Pedri's arms recently? But no, Dembele definitely um, you know beefed up a little bit, got more physical, got in the gym a little bit, and that helped a lot. So that helped significantly. And then again, when he is injured. If Rafinha's fit, that's a suitable replacement. So I think the right wing spot is similar to um, the center backs, uh, just a lot of depth and really, really exciting. And each of them offer something completely different, which is also really exciting. You know, if in a game where either Dembele or Rafinha is having an off game, you can put on the other and then just offers a completely new dynamic. So again, really, really exciting. Um, So let's move on to the left wing position, where honestly, it seems like we don't really have a lot of left wingers. Well, I guess that depends on... Very controversial. Yes. (laughs) I guess that depends on, you know, what you classify Ferran Torres as. Um, A very versatile player that can play all along the front line, but... I don't know. I think with the current right wing position, left wing maybe isn't the most suitable. And then arguably he is probably the best just down the center as well. Um, what do you think? I argue that Ferran Torres is best at right wing because whenever he plays right wing, I think that he has a great game. The only issue is he's inconsistent. And if he can't play right wing, then it's best to just sell him because with Rafinha and Dembele there, like obviously like you're not going to get that many minutes and there's no point of playing him as a like a foe, like a what's okay there we go center forward or as like a left wing if he's not going to be able to give 100% like he does as a right wing. No, I definitely agree with you there. Um, so let's go to the the most controversial one, Ansu Fati. <laughs> Said I back him 100%. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to explain why? Because I'm sure that your opinion is, you know, <laughs> dividing a lot of fans right now. Yeah, okay. So 
I think Ansu came back from a very serious injury that kept him off the field for more than a year. And obviously, when he came back, you could see he was definitely hesitating a lot because it seemed like he was very worried of like getting injured again and second-guessing everything he was doing. And then even before he was playing with that number 10 jersey, as soon as it was announced that he got it, fans were hating on him. And obviously, when you're a player and you're a forward, the only way you think that the fans will back you is if you score goals. So I think that's why he was a little selfish earlier on this season because he was trying to like I guess I don't want to say impress the fans but get the fans to like back him again so I just think people need to realize this was his first season back after having that injury like where he actually played like where he actually was fit for like the whole season and obviously he didn't start off great but I think the last few games for Barcelona and Spain showed that he still we still could see glimpses of the old Ansu back and I feel like this may be a breakout season for him in general and I think he does add energy onto that field, as of lately, at least. Don't call it a comeback, y'all. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So if it were, out of all the wingers, I guess we can really talk about in general, if there were the option, would you have a preference as to who you would... I think it's just a question of who gets the most money, right? From, you know, the financial perspective that Barcelona in. But obviously, if two clubs or the same offer came in for Fati and Torres, do you have a... I, I think I already know your answer. You said you back Fati. So I think Fort Torres yeah. is the odd one out in this scenario, right? I, yeah, but I do want to say, I don't hate Ferran I, whatsoever. I see a lot of potential in him, and I support him 100% backing Barca players. But I do think, like, I do think Ansu... I see glimpses of Ansu coming back where it's been on. He has good moments, but it's just inconsistency issues. So mm-hmm. there's that. All right, Leah, same question as the midfield and defense. Ideal front three, starting front three for next season. Or I guess front two, if you're playing a midfield four, I don't know what tactics you're up to. I don't, I'll say a front three, because like, why not? I don't know how I'm going to organize that midfield, but I guess like obviously Lewandowski has to be striker. And then on that right wing side, Dembele fully fit. And then left wing, I'll say Ansu because I'm backing him. He's going to have a breakout season. I feel it. Hopefully, I don't regret saying that, but we'll see. (laughs) Now, we went through the entire roster, and we obviously gave our opinions on who we would would keep, who we would sell. Are there any, obviously, you know, this is kind of a, a silly question given the current financial status. It seems like we almost have to offset players in order to bring players in, unless it's a free transfer. Are there any rumors or ideal transfers out there that you would just love to see? Maybe not necessarily happen this season, but you know, in the cup in the next upcoming seasons. Um, obviously, Cancelo is a huge rumor. I wouldn't mind him because he's versatile. Could play as a left back or as a right back, and then it gives depth because maybe then you could rest Balde and put him out as a left back. Um, and then put Kunda as a right back. So there's many ways to go around it, having him there. The only issue is is that he's more he atta- likes to attack, and so does Balde. So that kind of does leave like a liability there. I think maybe Barcelona may have to go for somebody more defensive in that right back role. But he, I wouldn't mind getting him, of course. So that's like one option. So. You know, that's one option that I've been banging on for a few seasons now, ever since it seemed like he wasn't happy at Man City and Barcelona was having yeah. a lot of troubles with their fullbacks. Not troubles in the sense of, you know, who are we going to have a starting right and left back for the next few seasons, but just as far as the consistency and the health and the fitness. I think Cancelo would be a great option, but, I mean, who really knows where he's off to in the future? Um <laughs> And then, apart from that, honestly, I got to say, I'm pretty happy with the signings we brought in, you know, with uh, Romeo, Roku, and 
the squad we have is just so versatile as well. So really a lot of players can deputize in a lot of different areas and a lot of different positions. So I personally am really happy with the current squad we have. And it seems like all, all we are really signing recently are free transfers. Obviously, I would have loved to seen uh, Rafael Guerrero come in on a free, but he went to Bayern Munich, obviously. But apart from that, honestly, no, I'm really, really happy and content with this current squad. Yeah, I think all the signings Barca made so far are low risk and just add depth to the team. That's something Barca lacked because I think a big part of why Barcelona have struggled in the Champions League the last two years when it came to the group stage is because they lacked the depth there because players kept getting injured. So hopefully that with having these new signings, that changes. Now, are there any players from the Barcelona B team that you would love to see get a few minutes or even just start training with the first team in this upcoming season? Well, here's the thing. There are players, but a bunch of them apparently are going on loan. And some of them are like, I don't even know. Some of them are like 16 still. So I don't even know if like I would want to like see them overplaying because obviously that's how youngsters get injured. I will say one player that stands out. He's technically not on the B team, but he still is training with like the first team. So it's confusing. But Lamine Yamal, mm-hmm. we all know him. He just turned 16, but he's great. He's a, basically a wonder kid and... I could see him doing well. I just hope he doesn't get, like, overplayed, of course. So, him and I forget what his name is, but he's the center back. Uh, He's Moroccan. He's on the B team, but apparently Barcelona want him to go on loan. Maybe that'll be good for him so he could get minutes. But, yeah, he's really good. I just cannot remember his name right now. I'm blanking out. Shadi Riyad, I think is how you pronounce it. (laughs) Yeah, I I was not. I don't want to butcher it, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of these pronunciations in this whole episode have been really, really difficult, but <laughs> no, okay. yeah. We're, we're trying. That's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I definitely agree with those two. I was definitely going to mention um, Yamal earlier. We all know that he got his debut last season. And did you say he just turned 16? I was still under the impression that he was 15. <laughs> yeah, apparently last week. The only reason I know that is because I follow Barca update pages and they were saying, oh, it's his birthday. He's signing a new contract. Uh, okay, gotcha. Oh, like, He's 16, I guess, now. That is super, but, super young, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, wild. Him and, like, Gavi, like, in 2027 will still be, like, in their early 20s. Mm-hmm, yeah. I think uh, I think it just it's just safe to say that, you know, the uh, Golden Boy Award is just going to be continuously handed out to Barcelona players, Barcelona La Masia Academy graduates, so that's really exciting. Um, <laughs> it's just such a great academy, and, yeah, we've seen so many players that have flourished, um, not to mention, not without mentioning, you know, the legends that have exited the club like Busquets like Piquet like um Roberto as well so yeah yeah really exciting from La Masia and it, again Summer Tabadle for the longest time I was looking for the ideal left back position or left back when uh Jordi Alba left I never in a, in a thousand years did I imagine it would come from La Masia but Badle has been great and I hope that we can incorporate more players and they can surprise us just as much as Badle did yeah, I think obviously I heard I had this like somebody told me like a few days ago saying I wish Barcelona did not rely on their like relied on getting other talent aside from their academy. But I think people need to realize that with the financial state Barcelona is in and even like if they weren't in that state, Barcelona should not waste money on like big signings unless they really, truly need it when they have a whole academy filled with like hidden gems, basically. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. Again, just very, very excited for not only the youngsters, but the upcoming season. Um, well, wow, Leo, we went through the entire roster. We went through, you know, players that we would uh, sell and keep and then talked about a lot of other topics in general. Is there anything that uh, you want to touch on a little bit more or any topics that we didn't hit on that you want to uh, talk about? 
Um, not at the moment. Okay. I can't think of anything right now, <laughs> fortunately. No, it's all good. It's all good. I think we had a great conversation. So yeah, I'm really excited to see how this turns out. Um, honestly, that was everything that I had too. So I think we've been recording for a little bit over an hour now. So maybe it's best to kind of, you know, tie a bow on it and seal it at this point. Yeah, it was nice chatting, though. It was nice talking about all of this. No, definitely, definitely. Again, thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, being on the podcast. And again, I mentioned this when I initially called you. I never imagined that, you know, someone to that has the stature that you do on social media, whatever, reach back and uh, agree to be a special guest on the podcast. So really, I can't thank you enough. No, of course. I love like chatting and talking about Barca, but football in general. And like, it's a nice way to like connect and I love podcasts in general. So there's also that. <laughs> yeah. And I know you made a special guest appearances on a couple in the past. So, you know, I was kind of like shooting a shot in the dark, but no, again, just really grateful that you were able to make it and work out time in your schedule for it. Um, do you want to tell people where they can, you know, follow? I know you mentioned earlier, but do you want to remind people where you can, where they can find yeah. you on social media? Yes. So my TikTok and my Instagram is the same. So it's basically Leah Binkin, L-I-A-B-I-N-K-I-N, and you could basically find me on there. Great. So again, Leah, thank you so much for being here with me. And I hope that listeners at home really enjoyed this and they go and check out your profiles and your pages because it is really worth watching, guys. I really do highly recommend it. And with that, I think we'll, uh, you know, end the episode on that note. And again, just thank you so much for listening. Um, remember to subscribe, like, rate, wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on various different platforms. And stay tuned for more of this summer series where we'll be interviewing special guests. So again, Leah, thank you so much. And to all the listeners at home, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Adios. Of course. Bye.